0: Time. This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. Podcast.
1: you got to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, left, the corner of the zone, it is intercepted! Intercepted! The, duck's of
0: the ball. Every story. So we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys. It's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner Justin Hopkins and Matt Bagley from 961 580 the game We're back Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi check us out iTunes also uh Stitcher Android pretty much wherever you want to listen to your podcasts we're there we're stoked got a lot to talk about
1: right Yeah it's actually surprisingly I was driving here uh, well I just just drove in obviously just driving here to the studio to meet you I'm thinking, man, what are we gonna talk about today? We don't have a guest. You know, we'll get that out of the way. No spoiler alerts, we don't have a guest. It's the middle of summer. Yeah, that's on me. I, I chose not to just so we kinda had more of an open mic uh, week. You know, we have guests quite often, but anyways, and I'm driving like, man, what are you know, what are me and Matt gonna talk about? What are we gonna fill? And then we sat here for five, ten minutes before we started this. It's like, crap, there's actually quite a bit. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, so tell
0: me about what you have on tap this weekend.
1: Uh, so as some of the folks on scoop duck will know, and and those who don't, uh, I will head to Los Angeles, uh, this weekend, uh, either leaving Thursday or Friday. haven't gotten that nailed down yet and I'll fly of course, but, uh, head down to Los Angeles and on Saturday, there's an all day it's called the battle of the beach at Edison high school, which is in the Huntington beach area. Um, I'd have to look, but there's at least a dozen of the powerhouse programs sending a seven on 17 in. so not a whole team but the skill players quarterbacks um you know so modern day st john bosco you name it those elite schools that have all the kids that we're following uh will send their their uh their you know their best tournament team there so you know it's only one day i'm not going to go to the opening this year there was a lot that went into that decision for me and and i'll give them to you for for starters uh uh, money was part of it Uh, uh, simple economics i can do this trip to la for about half of what the dallas trip was going to cost me right um which is a substantial amount of money and uh secondly i can meet uh jonathan down in la and and uh you know jonathan charles the prodigy i can he's going to meet me go to the same tournament so we'll have twice as many people there i'll actually i'm hiring a photographer so we'll have three people at this event covering it. That's sick. Yeah, which is great. I can't do that. At the opening, it's me, myself, and I. You yeah, know, going there, which is fine. Anyways, this will give me a chance to meet with Jonathan and teach him a little bit and kind of show him the ropes. That way, when he's down there, he can do some of these on his own. On his own, uh, maybe a little bit more efficiently. I think it'll be great for him, and I'm excited to meet him. Um, and lastly, I uh, I don't want to I don't want to sit here and bash the opening because it's still a great event, but it has become very media unfriendly unless you're part of that organization. So, you know, student sports or the opening, you know, they have their guys on the field taking video and pictures and they can interview the kids anytime they want. Mm-hmm. As other media that isn't a part of that, you know, we basically get a very limited window after some of the training That event, as I recall it, in Portland, even before it was called the opening, it was merely a seven-on-seven championship at one point. Right. And then it transcended into the opening. So what they were doing to begin with, and Greg Biggins was running it. This is how far back I'm talking about I was going. Greg Biggins was running it, who's obviously now with 24-7 Sports. We've had him on the podcast. Right. Huge fan. And that's why he's so plugged in, because he was doing this back in the day. But anyway, so Greg Biggins was doing it, and they would bring in – uh, really elite seven-on-seven teams, and they would compete. So it would be like Sarah, back when Sarah out of California was very, very good. It had Robert Woods and, and George Farmer, and they had some great players on the, on their teams through the years. You know, they would come up and compete as a team. They wouldn't just be a collection of all-star teams, I guess, if you will. I, I phrase them as all-star teams now because it's kids kids from all different schools, and, and, and it's great that they do that. But anyway, so… Back then, uh, when the opening started up in Portland, the event was, shoot, it was like five or six days long. And I'm talking a legit five or six days. They were doing something every day. Maybe one day was just, you know, workouts and, 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 and some, uh, some of the spark training, as they call it. You know, not every day was like a you know, seven on seven tournament, but they were doing something every day. And as media, we had an opportunity to interview those kids every day. Fast forward to now in Dallas, it's three days. Wow. Yeah. It's three days and you only get to interview them basically like one time a day after, you know, so like the lineman will go for a couple hours and you'll get to interview them after. And that's all you'll see the lineman all day. You got about a 10, 15 minute window and that's it. So you can maybe get one guy, you can maybe get two guys, but just imagine 50 different media members all having that same window and we're all fighting for the all same All fighting dudes. for this. Yeah. So like literally you've got, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, so it's like, okay. And I get it. I understand that, you know, the openings trying to, you know, uh, you know, control it for the kids and, and I get it. I understand what they're doing. Right. I'm just trying to showcase the differences. So, you know, I would have had basically Monday, Tuesday, the event goes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's only three days. The two days before that is elite 11 only Oregon doesn't have a dog in the fight of the elite 11. So really there's nothing for me to cover there except go watch some really good quarterbacks, which is great. Um, anyways, from an Oregon angle, I could have gone for three days, and I know I'm rambling on about the opening. But you guys want to hear this? I, I yeah. know you guys like to, you know, you guys like to hear this. Th- this is eye opening, I think, as a fan, because you get to see okay, why does Justin do this?
0: What is his coverage right now? What's your focus right now? But it's also eye opening to me. Like, yeah. I-, I think about. Fans have this complaint a lot with with radio in our state of we don't talk local enough. Sure, the Portland stations have a three hour show in every block, and they spend three minutes on the Ducks on a good day. Sure, right? And I think a big reason why is availability. Yeah, of we can't just get a player on the football team every day because they have a one-hour window each week. Right. Or a a player on the baseball team for Oregon State, right? They might have a a one-hour window on Sundays, and that's all we can get. Right. And, And you're looking at this where you go down to the opening, and this is supposed to be the biggest event of the year. Right. It's supposed to be a massive hype train for these kids so that they get scholarship offers. Sure. And they restrict availability.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you, you you get to watch them. It's not that you don't get to watch them; you get to watch them from the sideline, which is fine. It's fine that it's from the sideline it makes it hard for pictures, um, but I'm not really there for pictures so much. A little yeah. bit, but not so much. But you're there for interviews. Yeah, I'm there for interviews, and 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 yeah, you get an opportunity. And I understand the value to me in going to to Dallas if I were to have gone is to provide the readers of Scoop Duck, which are interested in Oregon commits and Oregon targets you know, give them the Oregon perspective on things or at least go, you know, because I know, for instance, 24 seven sports will go and, you know, Greg Beggins will be there or, you know, Steve Wiltfong and those guys are great, but they're going to look at it from a national perspective. They're not going to really be focused on, you know, the collection of players that are Oregon specific like I would. So I understand the value of me going from that aspect, but I looked at the schedule because they have it posted the schedule of what they will be doing, what days, before I made the decision to go to LA. And I'm looking at it going, okay, so Monday, there's basically a, you know, a couple hours of of workouts, and then I would get to interview them, you know, one time after that. Mm -hmm. So to me, Monday was pretty minimal at best. I mean, just as as far as what I would have seen, and what would have gone on and interviews, it was like, okay, so basically, I'm going to spend and just a rough estimate $2,000 to go to Dallas for two days. And likely at best, at best, I would have been lucky to get six interviews out of that. At that's, best, that's crazy. I mean, seriously, you can't, you can't do that. No, I, if I could have gotten three out of that ten to fifteen minute window each day, that would have been good. Now, you know, twenty four seven sports will go and they'll get fifteen interviews because they have. A million people. Yeah, six, seven, eight guys. They're all with, and you know, and and so I get that for them. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's a little different, and they can cross things over. For me, you know, I'm going. I'm a one man band, and and doing this. And I'll be honest. There's really only one guy. There's only one guy that I would have gone to pay close attention to, and and really wanted to get in it, get an interview from. And that's Johnny Wilson, because mm-hmm. he doesn't answer his phone. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. And I get it. That's cool. Really, the only way you get him is if you get in front of him. Right. And kids like that typically, or, or can, I'll put it this way. Kids like that can find a way not to do many interviews at the opening because all they do is, so they go and they do, the, they do their workout and they'll go to the middle field and the coaches will be like, okay, everybody, we did great today. Whatever you're gonna next thing, everybody, you know, go over and, you know, for 10, 15 minutes of interviews and then come this way and we're going to go get lunch and get on the buses or whatever. That's what they do. Uh-huh. Some of those kids find a way not to go over to where we are. We can't go out on the field. We're still stuck on our sideline. So we are, you know, designated to the kids coming over to us. It's on them. So, you know, sometimes there's a few that trickle through that, that do miss Um, and not saying Johnny Wilson will, but he could. So I could have potentially gone to Dallas really for the one guy. And that's not worth it. No. And been able to watch him, but. You know, I might not have still gotten that interview. I'm hoping I, you know, so as Scoop Duck is part of F5, we have a couple, you know, we have several sites now mm-hmm. and, you know, I put in a word with a couple of the guys that are going and say, I'll pay you whatever. If you get Johnny Wilson, send me the audio, I'll write it. He's the one guy I need. So I could still possibly and probably will get the interview that I want, assuming he comes to the sideline. Right. And, and so really to me, it's like, okay, well, if I can get the interview that I need, and, yeah, I won't get to watch those guys, but I can go to L.A. I don't even have to apply for a media pass. I can just walk around anywhere I want. Yeah. When the kids aren't playing, they'll be sitting you know, on the sides having Gatorade or whatever. I can just walk up to them and say, hey, bud, you got five minutes for an interview or whatever. And you mentioned some of these programs. The coaches know you. Mm-hmm. They like you.
0: You got fans down there. You got people down there. Yep. It sounds like a, a great opportunity.
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's one day, but... I can walk out of that event with no less than 15 interviews if I really want to. Wow! Yeah. And now they all might not be 2020 guys. they might be 2021s, you know, 2022s, whatever. There's guys. I mean, Oregon is... There's (laughs) guys. Yeah, there's guys. There's dudes. There's guys with Oregon offers. I mean, all over the place. So to me, it was, was, you know, all those things put into perspective. And I know I kind of made a post on the board about it, but I think this you know, explains it a little bit better. And hopefully fans can go, oh, that makes sense. J-Hop's not just deciding to go to L.A. because he didn't want to go to Dallas. We've talked about this idea before that
0: one of Mario Cristobal's tenets, and we've seen it in recruiting,
1: he wants to dominate those SoCal schools. Absolutely. He's doing that right now. I mean, just look at, I know USC's gone on a run here of commits in the last couple weeks, but... And i don't want to pick on that program but just look at the guys outside of bryce young look at the guys they've got committed compared to what oregon's got committed right i mean we're, we're i mean it shows up in the ranking but even if you strip the ranking off there and you just go look at the commit the offer lists of you know of who's been uh, committed to each school it's not even close i mean o- oregon I never thought we'd see anything like this in, I never thought we'd see anything like this where USC and UCLA are so poor at recruiting both that, I mean, honestly, Oregon and Washington are, are dominating right now. Yeah, they really are. And, and what, what stands out to me, we, you know, we
0: look at the, some of these schools, St. John Bosco, modern day, the ducks are having success there. These should be, these should be, the easy crutch schools yeah. for USC feeder UCLA. schools. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, yeah, they used to be absolute. Feet. I mean, we we as Oregon fans and we as Oregon media used to look at these big time four star kids, five star kids, whatever. And and next thing after you look at them, okay, which school do they go to? Yep, cross them off. They're going to USC. Who's next? And that's literally how Oregon had to recruit. It's like, okay, look, USC is going to get these guys. We can probably fight UCLA for a couple guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, Washington wasn't in the mix really. You know, too much. They were a little bit when Sarkeesian was there. He did a pretty good job, but the early days of Chris Peterson weren't the same. But to that effect, and, and I, as always, we exclude Stanford. Stanford is right. Is unique. They have a wish list, yep. but they're never going to fill that wish list. No. And, you know, any of the guys that they truly want, nobody else is getting. Yeah. I mean, at least I hope not. I mean, kid, pick Stanford every day. <laughs> do it. Don't be stupid. Just that, pick Stanford. That,
0: if I had a son, that's yep. what I would tell him. Don't
1: be a dumb kid. Pick Stanford. If you okay. Get, well,
0: you can't be a dumb kid <laughs> no. if you can get in there. Exactly. No. <laughs>
1: uh, and so I exclude Stanford. But if you look at the rest of the Pac-12, right now, Oregon is, abs- to your point, Oregon is absolutely dominating southern california and even though oregon has uh commits i want to say from eight or nine different states right now in wow. 2020 it's eight or nine i can't remember going off wow. memory it's a lot you can still look and appreciate how they are recruiting the state of california how they are becoming more active in hawaii after getting away from their last few years and how they are now trying to push into arizona more than they have in the past. Oregon's always been able to get guys out of Arizona, and it absolutely befuddled me why they didn't push the state more. I mean, Jalen Jelks, Devin Allen. I mean, literally, as soon as Oregon offered, these kids were like going to Oregon. What do you like about Arizona prep football? Um, it it has good football. It doesn't have it doesn't have as many good teams as as Southern California, but it doesn't have the the population density either. It has really good football and the other thing that i like about it it seems to be a hub for former nfl players who retire who just about have you know brendan rice is a perfect example you know son of jerry rice um you know those guys retire and move to phoenix and i get it i understand why but there is and you talk about a program like Suaro, i mean that's a really really strong high school program i think they've won five in a row if i recall correctly state championships um, you know, you've had Chandler, you've had Hamilton. They've got some really, really strong programs down there. And for – and here's a perfect example. Jalen Jeffers, the offensive lineman from Saguaro, uh, visited two weekends ago. And uh, one of the things he told me in the interview about Oregon is that it was like an hour-long flight, hour, hour and a half. That's nothing. Yeah, I mean, so, again, you know, that if you can – I mean – when you're oregon and you have such a, a limited scope of kids in your area if you can find a kid that can get a direct flight to eugene aka phoenix that's in your backyard you got to right. you've got to take advantage because, because if you know if distance is the hurdle you know if mom oh you know i mean even even out of la sometimes you have to get a connecting flight You know, not always you can get a direct flight, but sometimes you got to go to, you know, San Francisco or sometimes Salt Lake City or up to Seattle and down or whatever. Uh I mean, we we know how it is, but Phoenix has a pretty direct flight and it's uh, pretty abundant. And I don't think it's overly expensive. I think Southwest is the one that makes that that lane right there. That's I mean, get that's in your backyard. Get that. I mean, go get that. And there's so many kids in Arizona that. I think the biggest thing is just like SoCal, we see USC and UCLA not recruiting Southern California very well. ASU and Arizona don't recruit Phoenix very well. ASU is getting a little better under Herm Edwards, but it was not that strong for a long time. So it's not like kids come up out of Phoenix and you say, okay, the top four kids are going to go, you know, the top five kids are going to go to either ASU or U of A. That isn't even remotely the case more more oftentimes than not, they're going to a school outside of the state. Well, why not have that school be Oregon, you right. know? Um, so to me, I, I think there's a lot of value for Oregon getting back into Arizona. And then, of course, they're paying a lot of attention to Washington as well. you got Savelle Smalls, Levi Rogers visited, offensive lineman that visited last weekend on Saturday. Um, my point being, you know, everybody worries, and myself included, that even though Oregon has such a strong national brand and can recruit nationally, they are not overlooking their immediate recruiting area, which is the West coast, which Mm -hmm. is SoCal, which is becoming Phoenix, which used to be Hawaii. And it might be a little bit more now, got to two commits out of there. Uh, you know, still paying attention to Washington, still going over to Utah at the end of the day, even though if you look at it now, I know it's not that way, but at the end of the day, if you count Utah West, I think, uh, conservatively, 70% of Oregon's commit list will fall into that region because Mario Cristobal understands that you still have to recruit that region harder than any other part of the country.
0: And that's that's amazing to me. You, you rattle off all the states where the ducks are grabbing guys and, and the goal of winning the West region. I think about growing up and I'm, I'm young. Growing up, I was a kid when uh, Joey Harrington won the Fiesta Bowl. So I think about those Bellotti teams being on ABC every week, and you would see um, when they when they announced the starting lineups on TV, and you see guys' hometowns. Right. Used to be a couple of Oregon guys, right. a couple of Washington guys, a whole bunch of California. Right. And And now it's a nationwide search yeah. every year scouring the
1: country for talent and i i think the difference is this here's here's the first of all we know mario cristobal is just relentless he's just a monster when it comes to recruiting so i don't think every coach at oregon can do this but he certainly can just because of, of his relentless style of recruiting i think he allocates probably 3 times as much time to recruiting as any other coach oregon's ever had and i and i say that easily That's amazing. yeah easily i i would say that easily you know chip Bilotti, Helfrich, any of them you name I, I guarantee he allots three times as much more time to that hopefully he doesn't lose track of winning winning along the way but it certainly didn't seem to be a factor yeah this past year no so that's his priority then he's going out recruiting first and foremost and, and i think the key to that is here's a perfect example i will i will use a couple years back a few years back oregon had trey mckitty uh who was like a kind of like a uh a, 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 athletic tight end or a really big receiver however you wanted to use him he was very athletic Mm -hmm. big kid out of florida committed to early oregon early in the spring oregon didn't end up hanging on to him you know he ended up at fsu in the end but he committed early in the spring i believe at the opening when it was in portland i i believe or it was right around there anyways back then that previous staff you know oh got him committed we're good don't worry about it and wouldn't recruit any other guys well, then, of course, December comes and that kid decides to stay closer to home. You're screwed, right? Oregon now doesn't operate that way, even though, for example, they have Luke Hill committed out of Washington, D.C., or Miles Slusher committed out of Oklahoma, or Avante Williams committed out of Florida. All three of those guys on the far east coast, definitely some worry there. Come December, someone's yeah. going to get in their some ear. Some right? worry. I, 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 It's valid, valid worry. Right. They haven't stopped recruiting these other guys. So you've got John Humphrey and James Smith, and you've got all these other guys that, you know, Oregon's continued to recruit really hard and put themselves in good position so that, you know, if you, if you take one off, you can put one back pretty easily. And I guess I'm using my hands here, and you can see it, but, you know, the gap from Trey McKitty to who Oregon was able to get after that, and I don't remember at that position – you know that my my arms are all the way out here, right? I was just going to do the play by play. Yeah, My yeah, arms are all the way arms are outstretched, right, all the way straight. And then, so, but if you go and you let's say you minus a mile slusher, but you enter in, let's say, a guy like John Humphrey out west, is he the same player? No, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's not. He's the same player. He's not. But that you know chasm is is like this. It's it's very st- narrow. Yeah, very narrow. You know, we're about six inches apart here versus being you know two feet apart. So I guess. I, I think that's the difference, and, and I, I understand some valid concerns about Oregon going too national, and I think they continue to t- tweak that. But one of the things I see them doing is really picking their shots. It's not like this huge net of guys that they've got nationally that they're recruiting. They may offer a bunch of guys, but then if the communi- the two-way communication isn't very strong, it's like, okay, cool, we know where we stand here, but hey, this kid's calling us every day. Right. You know, This kid is blowing me up. All right, there's something to it. Let's see where this goes. And, and I think that's how they operate. And that makes a lot of sense. So it's Yeah, maybe they offer 100 kids, just just an example, offer 100 kids nationally, uh, east of Utah. But at the end of the day, that scopes probably only about 25 kids, when it comes down to it, that they're actively spending a lot of time recruiting, you mm-hmm. know, Sam Brown comes to mind, Trey Trey Benson comes to mind, Montre Adams comes to mind, I mean, there's a handful of guys, You know, the organs really identify, hey, this guy's calling me every day, very receptive, you know, text me back. Anytime I text them, they pay attention to that stuff. It's not just like, I'm going to recruit him, recruit him, recruit him and try and bring him over. At some point you realize it's a lost leader. Like, oh, okay. We offered, I text him a few times, not very receptive. Cool. Moves down the board. Moving on. Yeah. And so I like that approach. I think it's great because at least you're casting a wide net, making sure you cover everybody not overlook anybody because Mm. that's the biggest mistake you can do is always come back a couple years later to a guy that's about to go to the NFL and saying, man, I wish Oregon would have offered. That was the place I really wanted to go. And you're, you know, in the office, you could hear Mario Cristobal throwing a printer against the wall. I mean, literally, you know, that, that's, that, that that would be a real scenario too, but I could see him just slamming. (laughs) I, I just think
0: about every time you bring a scenario like that up, I think about a certain three letter quarterback that, may just be the number one overall pick next year this of dju oh no you mean Tawa. <laughs> yeah just kidding i know i'm, I'm like trev or yeah, yeah I no i can't no uh
1: but but um
0: i think know... mistake of
1: all time in oregon football recruiting right and it's it seems easy to just say that now but even at the time everybody's like duh I mean, <laughs> but if they had know.
0: just put a little more work
1: in, and if, like anywhere, you talk
0: about, hey, winning Hawaii or, right. or reclaiming Hawaii, this is a great example. They could have had Hawaii right there. Hawaii was. You just a layup. put the work in, yeah, and you you keep the momentum, yeah. and you
1: get a kid like that. Yeah, I mean, you you pulled uh, just for example, just a couple. I mean, you pull Buckner out of there, you know, he goes first round. You pull Mariota, Mariota out of there, he goes first round. Those Hawaii kids, you are endeared to them. I mean, it didn't matter if you had a poly coach or not. Right. You literally all you had to do is call and say, "Yep, I'm from Oregon, you want an offer?" "Yes, I'll commit now."
0: Well, it's like Eugene where one of the, one of the most fascinating things to me when I drive through the state covering high school football, when I go through Eugene, I see People that have a Ducks bumper sticker on one side, a Titans bumper sticker on the other. Oh, yeah. Or I see a, a kid in a in a burger shop. He's got a Titans jersey and a Ducks hat. Yeah. I see stuff like that all the time when I'm in Eugene because people love Marcus Mariota. Yes. Hawaii loves Marcus Mariota. Right. Right. I mean, how like, could he's you a not, legend. There. How could you not? And, and it, yeah. so it, it still blows me away. They don't get to a back in the day. Right. And we're not beating a dead horse for nothing. But it's just like you're saying, if you put the work in. Yeah you you reach out to these kids, you keep them on your radar. You never know what happens. Right. You can't
1: overlook anybody. Right. No, you you can't. I, I think Oregon's been fortunate like for instance a guy like Andrew Johnson who they signed a couple of years ago out of Georgia. That's a that's a heck of you know Jordan Scott. I mean you can I mean didn't even visit. Luckily they'd recruited him a little bit along the way so they knew of him. But I mean those are all perfect examples. I, you know a guy like Brandon Dorless, who Oregon signed last year. You know that was Again, kind of another one-off where they said, hey, we think this kid's pretty good. I think he was a three-star at the time, and he got bumped up to a four-star in the end. And, you know, fortunately, Oregon was able to keep Florida off, because Florida did everything at the end to try and steal doorless Way. I mean, negative recruiting, sending him, like, you know, screenshots of of all the guys that had gone to Florida that hadn't panned out at Oregon, or gone to Oregon from Florida that hadn't panned out or transferred or whatever. Oh, boy. They went totally dirty, and it didn't work because that's – like, that's not Doorless's personality. That was, yeah. that was that was the worst thing they could do with, with him.
0: I've never understood why schools take that approach. I brought this up on my radio show a couple weeks back when, when Washington was reportedly doing it. Yeah. If I go to a furniture store and I'm looking for a sofa and I ask the salesperson, hey, I'm looking for a sofa, I don't want them to tell me that, oh, the store across the street sucks. Yeah, their sofa sucks. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Right. I want to see your sofa. Right. Right. I, if I go to a burger place, I want to order a burger. I don't want somebody to go, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm at Burger King. Right. I don't want somebody to go, yeah, the Big Mac sucks. Right. Well, I'm not here for a Big Mac. Right. I'm here for a Whopper. Right. Right. I
1: don't understand negative recruiting. No, it's to me always been, and I won't spend much time. It's always been, and I'll give you, I'll give you guys a little, little juice on it. But it's always been uh, a short-term gain as far as negative. It, it is a long-term loss, in my opinion because sure you might get a kid at the 11th hour one or two maybe at best that you flip or get in their ear or whatever but really long term wise it hurts your program mm-hmm. i mean with 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 that kid with that family with that with that kid's coach at that high school they you know they don't care for negative recruiting that's not what they want to hear and i mean Oregon is recruiting so well right now that they are getting i mean just pounded with negative recruiting i mean ucla i mean chip kelly was here he despised negative recruiting and they've become one of the bigger negative recruiting schools against oregon now wow like, like jackson leduc and some of those guys that they really wanted i mean they're all in and it's crazy because there's several coaches from oregon on that staff you know not just chip you have don pelham you have some other guys like right why are you negative recruiting Oregon? That's the last school you should be negatively recruiting. I wonder when, when you throw that angle in. And let I, me let me stop. I, sure. And I don't know that Chip Kelly himself is doing it. Because, but his coaches are. But yes, there is negative recruiting by UCLA. It may not. I doubt Chip is picking up the phone and saying, hey, Jackson, those guys are, are scumbags. But anyways, please. So I got a question for you. When the Ducks
0: were still recruiting Kayvon Thibodeau, it was Oregon it was a few other schools, and the big one was Bama. Yeah, and and you brought up—I don't—I don't know if we talked about this on the pod, but you brought up concerns with Bama mm-hmm. and just how clean their approach was. Cristobal's a Bama guy. Yeah. Do you think he gets those criticisms slapped on him? Uh, you mean as far as with with what regard? When you say clean, like do people assume that he is running? Everything that, that you might think about Bama's recruiting sure. or other coaches might think about Bama's recruiting, do
1: you think that other coaches assume Crystal Ball gotcha. is doing that? Because he was in the S. So here's yeah. – as most fans who have followed me for a while know, they know that I've covered recruiting from a national perspective, from a regional perspective out west. And so in that time, I've built up a lot of relationships with a lot of coaches that aren't just at Oregon. Right. In fact, I talked – to one for about 20 minutes yesterday. That has nothing to do with Oregon. He's at a school back east. Um, great guy, offensive coordinator. I love him. You know, anyways, um, I have been told and this is not like this year, this has been just through the years by multiple coaches that have gone like from the ACC and the SEC into the back into the Pac 12 or even into the Big Ten or into, you know, some of those different conferences how easy it is to get away with things in the SEC and even the ACC to a degree compared to every other conference. Now, I'm not talking about guys just handing stacks of $100 bills and stuff. Okay, That's not what I'm insinuating. Mm -hmm. I think to a degree, everybody probably believes that there's some form of – cheating going on at certain levels all over, probably to a degree in football, definitely in basketball. We all, we could probably all agree on that. (laughs) Definitely in basketball. (laughs) Um, I think DeAndre uh, Ayton has uh, a few hundred G's of evidence there. Uh, You know, (laughs) we look at at LSU right now and they're going, uh, you know, through some things with Vidal Alexander, you know, five-star lineman from last year. Uh, in, In my experiences and things I've been told off the record uh, you know, from, from coaches that have nothing, again, these are coaches that have nothing to do with Oregon, nothing, uh, not current, not past. Those people have indicated that, you know, there is an, uh, a level of an eye turn the other direction for the sec and a little bit to the ACC, as far as some things, again, that doesn't mean bags of cash. It could be, you know, Hey, we've got, you know, uh, a text log from you in a dead period, you know, or whatever. There can be yeah. that it can be a lot of different things. It doesn't just mean widespread cheating, everybody's getting new Ferraris. Yeah. Or, no, or, it's it's yeah. not
0: Reggie Bush getting a car. Right. It's hey, mom and dad want to see my games. Right. And I just happen to know a booster who
1: owns this company yep. where mom and dad can get work. Yep. That happens very frequently. There's a reason never mind. Anyways, yes, that happens yeah, more than you think. I don't I don't mean for
0: you to tip. I'm not trying to No, your yeah, tip no, no, no no no. I just, no, yeah. I look at it as that is a legitimate concern with SEC schools. Absolutely. And Mario, I'm not saying Mario does this cuz I'm with you. I, I like him. I think yep. he's a great guy. I wonder if there's a concern with the other coaches in the Pac-12
1: that Mario is playing out of that SEC playbook. I I think here's how I answer that i think you can read message boards of other schools washington usc ucla asu and i know the readers of, of scoopbeck you see a pretty common theme from these other schools that certainly indicates they believe that now whether it's just the fans coming up with it on their own or it's a narrative from within those programs kind of being flushed out through mm-hmm. certain channels that doesn't you know, tied directly to them. I'm sure that it's probably some of both. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that it's uh, hard to imagine that other schools see the success Oregon's having in recruiting and thinking they got to be cheating. They got to be che- like, I. I don't, that doesn't surprise me and it's not unfounded. That said, I mean, I know from my inner workings of several staffs leading up to this one, Everybody is fully aware who the main benefactor of this school is. Right. And everybody who's hired is fully aware that he will not continue to be a benefactor of a dirty program. Mm-hmm. Like that's like he, it's, it's a huge deal to him. Yeah. So no, Nike doesn't do that stuff. No, I'm not sitting here saying that Oregon's perfectly clean or that they're not. I'm just simply saying that whoever's in charge is fully aware that if any form of allegations or, or anything come up that the program's dirty, it's a huge problem for the university. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I can say this from
0: what I do, we carry duck insider on this station every day. And my favorite duck insider guest is Jody Sykes. Oh yeah. Ducks chief compliance officer. She has the, I would say she has the hardest job, but I think the head coaches that the Report to her. Yeah, they've got the hardest job because right. she literally—I mean, she'll hand Mario a just file cabinet full of all the rules yes. and all the regulations and all the things you can and can't do. Right, and you have to do it on the dot, on the t. Has to be perfect. Right, otherwise there is a problem. Right, and and so I know from a regulatory standpoint, like it's not going on. Right, but I just think what what are these coaches at USC, UCLA, Washington trying to say about the Ducks?
1: Yeah, I don't I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sure, you know, in ter- you know, if you're Washington, obviously they're trying to sell developing. Well, we, we develop our you know, you, we've heard that publicly, really, you know, that they, Oh, they don't develop. Got, you know, you hear that. I don't know what everybody's trying to say from a particular standpoint, you know, of what their negative recruiting You know, um, I I just know this. I know that as closely as I've been allowed to follow recruiting through the years, and I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, I've never remotely witnessed a staff work as hard as this Oregon staff. Not just Mario Cristobal, who probably works harder than anybody. I feel like I
0: see Joe Salavea just down the line, everywhere.
1: just down yeah. the line. I mean, just, it's unbelievable. And I think, you know, we, and then they added Avalos. Well, yeah, but I mean like, you know, we interview Greg Biggins or whatever, who has no dog in the fight, none. Um, and y- I mean, you heard it from him, like all these kids say, nobody recruits me harder than Oregon. And that's a fa- I mean, that's literally a fact. I mean, yeah. every day, it's not just one coach that hits him up. It's, three or four coaches, every, you know, the kids wake up and there's three or four text messages from Oregon coaches. Hey, how's it going this morning? Every day. And they get in the building and they're flash mobbed by 25 people. Yeah. And then they do that or, you know, and then those kids when they're, when the period's open, you know, they'll get on and they'll get Facetimed by Oregon, including Mario Cristobal once or twice a week, depending on where, you know, I mean, just like it's relentless. It's insane. So, uh, for everybody that sits here and tries to, you know, Oregon's cheating, whatever, I just, I just look at it and go, man, if they are, they probably don't even need it. I mean, they should, <laughs> like seriously, it's insane. And, you know, I'm not sitting here saying they're, they're not, and I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying from a, a clean standpoint, these guys recruit hard, and, and I don't think other schools have – I don't think schools in the Pac-12 have genuinely figured that out. I think Washington has started to because they used to recruit like Oregon and Chip Kelly, which was, hey – We offered you. That's a pretty big deal. You should probably. This is a big deal. We've only offered twenty kids. Right, you're one of them, and they've switched the game and now they've gone to more offers. And you know they still are a little bit more limited than Oregon, but they don't have the national appeal that Oregon does. They they can be more selective in this region. Oregon can be more selective nationally. They're they they're not the same entity. But I think you've seen that that Washington's now copied the you know, getting off the elevator, everybody being in there and being excited, like, you know, the edits they've gone from doing no edits to, and so I'm not saying that Peterson's two-faced or whatever. And, and, you know, folks say he's being a hypocrite about not recruiting committed players, which he clearly does now. That's all fine. He probably shouldn't have said that stuff in the first place, right? but he needed to do what he's doing now. It's football. Yeah. I mean, if you don't adapt, you die. Yeah. If you're going to keep getting further and further behind, you better change or you're all looking for new jobs. So If you're a Washington fan, it might be a bit hypocritical, but you're pretty glad that he's doing it because it was falling further and further behind. As an Oregon fan, you're probably a little bit jealous because it's like, ha, ah, you're being a hypocrite, but wait, you're starting to catch up. Like Jalen McMillan committed there uh, yesterday. That's a big time receiver for them. That's a big get for Washington. So. I noticed on Twitter. Yeah. That's a big get for them. So that's a great player. Um, you know, they were able to pull Rosen from the clutches of Oregon a couple weeks ago. So are they, are they recruiting as well as Oregon? I wouldn't say that, but they're definitely recruiting better than they have been in years past, and I think a big part of that is they've started to figure out a little bit what Oregon is doing and have started to adapt. USC and UCLA apparently haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> yeah, it's good for Oregon. Uh,
0: uh, you, you hit on one topic that floors me with the Ducks national recruiting push the, the last decade. We... Sign these kids, bring them in. We've had them on the pod before. And you ask them why
1: Oregon, they tell you they grew up a Duck fan. Yes. And that's, I think the key here, something is the key to that. As Oregon gets further and further away from success, and I mean sustained, you know, high-level success, yeah, you will hear less and less of that. So I think that's why this, the 2018 and 2019 and 2020 classes are probably the three most important classes that ever, in Oregon history, and and I don't say that lightly because if, if Bilotti hadn't recruited, you know, well, or Rich Brooks hadn't recruited well back in the day to get Oregon to where it was, you know, with the the championship run, uh, you know, under Chip Kelly, you know, there was some importance there. But this program unfortunately went on a trajectory so far the other direction that between recruiting and the wins losses. You know, kids were about to lose interest, you know, if you didn't get back on track soon. I think they're back on track, but it also means that this year and next year are incredibly incredibly critical to the future success of this program. And I don't just mean wins and losses on the football field. I mean recruiting. You've got to get back into these kids that are seven, eight, nine, ten years old and as stupid as it sounds. They got to remember, oh, the Ducks. I saw the Ducks on TV. They were on today. They won all these games. They mm-hmm. had Justin Herbert, and he was so great and went in the right. first round. And, you know, they, I mean, like, you've got to have these guys that the kids will grow up. I, don't, I mean, like. The, the best example to me, the Ed Reed, Ray
0: Lewis, Sean Taylor generation yeah. that they go to Miami and they have that Miami U swagger. Yep. They didn't just do that on a whim. Right. They did it because they grew up watching Michael Irvin. Yeah. And Mario Cristobal. Yeah. And the guys on those '80s U teams. Yeah.
1: And when you grow up with that, you want to be a part of that. Right. And 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 Miami is a perfect example of of Oregon on the East Coast. You know, they had all that tradition, some terrific years and and and, and decades, even if you will. And pretty much since we've known them in the 2000s. Stunk. Yeah, they haven't been relevant. And and they've gotten so far away from winning that their recruiting has fallen off so badly, which I don't think fans truly appreciate how bad the recruiting has been, considering they're in one of the top two or three hotbeds of talent nationally. Yeah. And they could literally never leave Miami and they would be relevant. A 50 mile radius. They could recruit in a 50 mile radius and sign 90% of their team and have it be highly ranked four stars or better. That's that's unfathomable. It really is. You know, USC is in a somewhat similar position. I don't know. Like Texas, even though Texas has a ton of talent, it's a huge state. It's, It's spread out. Yeah. It's spread out the, 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 population of miami is so concentrated those kids from the south are ridiculous athletes and so to me you know miami's same similar position to oregon if they didn't get in there and and get that thing turned around they were on such a trajectory the wrong direction now sure they're always going to lean back on the on the you know on the 80s and on the 90s and on the wins and you know those great players you mentioned but the farther you get away from it you've got kids coming up that I mean, who wants to watch Miami when there's 50 people in the stands mm-hmm. and they're getting blown out by FSU 49 to three, you know, those kids don't watch. And if those kids don't watch, they, they watch whoever else is hot, Florida state, Florida, Alabama. I mean, Georgia, you name it, you, yeah. you got you got so much competition down there. So anyways, I don't know where we went, but there you go. There's yeah. some, yeah. And I think it's, it's good that we compare to other programs. So it's not just like you know, Hey, we're beating on Oregon. And I think it's great to have another, you know, program or person or whatever to compare it to. Oh, yeah. Just so it takes that element of, of, you know, emotion out of it. You know, we're not emotionally attached to Miami and what goes on there. But if you look at what's going on there, it's somewhat similar to Oregon. Yeah. Maybe even on a bigger scale.
0: I think there are, are lessons to take away from a few programs. I think that being one of them, we, we mentioned Alabama all the time, Sure, but it's not the only program that you can extrapolate some lessons from. Yeah. Um, love talking recruiting in the summertime.
1: Yeah. The that's, that's what car- Yeah. That's, that's the thing. And then we, you know, we're going to record this podcast here. We are on a Wednesday and there's a, 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 a commitment on Thursday. That has Oregon in the top three, so the Ducks could potentially be getting another commit on Thursday from uh, from Harper, from Marcus Harper, out of uh, Illinois. So that would be another state to add to the list. Nice. If he commits to Oregon, I, I don't know. But yeah. yeah, my prediction's on Oregon. It's been on Oregon for three or four weeks now. But yeah, what what goes into those predictions
0: without tipping your sources and giving away too much of the secret sauce? Uh,
1: you know, I I pride myself on I, I pride myself on being the first pick, you know, that's something I'm really proud of and not just like, you know, Hey, you're cool. J hop. You were the first one it, for those who don't know the inner You know, it's me going against 24, seven sports, which has several hundred got not, it's not just, you know, like, like Matt Prem and, and those guys at Duck Territory. You know, they've yeah. got Greg Biggins and they've got Wilt Fong and they've got some great connections in that network. They do. Uh, and I'm not picking on them one degree. It's me by myself working my connections and, and I take pride in that. Like, Hey, you know, sure. I get information, you know, from the organ side of things, but I've got to go balance that. So I can't just, I assure you guys, I can't just take what they give me and make predictions because I'd be wrong a lot.
0: No, I've seen you cross-reference. You talk about reading other sites. You talk about calling other people. I've seen it firsthand. Yeah,
1: I have to, I mean, like I wouldn't be any, any, I wouldn't be as good at my job As I am, if I didn't, if I just sat here and looked at everything through, because I think fans can see it. They can see folks on 24 seven sports that maybe cover a certain team. And, you know, you know, the, the term homers out there. Yeah. You've got some guys that literally they'll get a little bit of information from that side and make a pick like, Oh, Utah feels good about this kid. I'm making a pick now. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay. You know, uh, I mean, Trey Benson, you know, I made a really early pick on Trey Benson Uh, And even then, when I made that pick, I waited probably at least a month, maybe longer before I made the pick kind of, okay, well, it's early. This kid's out of Mississippi, you know, let's kind of see. I know Mississippi state at the time and Ole Miss at the time were definitely factors. Let me, let me just continue to see how this relationship develops and kind of, and so I waited, I was still miles ahead of everybody else on the pick, but even for me, when I started paying attention, I waited. So I honestly, I really do. I don't race to be first. I pride myself on being first. I enjoy that, but I also do, So a perfect example is Dylan Johnson. I waited until the last minute to make a pick on Dylan Johnson. Now I know he came to Oregon. He liked it. He loved the visit. Oregon's definitely a, a player and I felt it was 50 50 with Mississippi state at that time. And as I laid it out and as was true, that kid had to decide if he wanted to go to Oregon, which I think he liked the school more and the program. And he wanted to play with Trey Benson, but he would have played defense, would have played safety. Mm. Or do you want to stay at Mississippi state where you can play running back, which I know he really wanted to play running back. Mm-hmm. And I have no beef with that. Yeah. Play what you love kid. It happens. Go for it. My, my favorite example,
0: Steve McNair famously had major D one offers to play
1: corner. Yeah. And he wanted to play quarterback. So he goes to Alcorn State, and the rest is history. And there it goes. Yeah. And that happens. I mean, let's face it, kids are going to be happier doing what they love. So, like, perfect example is when I interview people to intern on Scoop Duck, I always ask them, So, why are you calling me? Why are you interested? You know, well, what do you mean? Well, I don't know what is it that struck you. You know, do you want to take photos? Do you want to call recruits? Do you want to cover the team? Right. What is it you're passionate about? What do you want to do? Because like Alan Johnstone's a perfect example. He was passionate about basketball and going to the games. And it showed in his work. I mean, he, he loved it. Yeah, I did. He enjoyed his work. Yeah. And so it was a perfect fit. So that's how it so I equate that to Dylan Johnson. Again, I know that, you know, some of my competition had had you know predicted him to Oregon and I waited and I waited. And when it kind of became clear to me that, and yeah, it was, it was pretty close to his uh, commitment. I think it was a day or two before, but instead of me being first, I waited because I wasn't confident yet on which way that was going to go. And I don't always do it. I'm not always going to be right, but I'd say my batting percentage is pretty damn good, at least in this game of recruiting, which is, I mean, like if my, if I had my batting percentage as a stockbroker, I'd be a gazillionaire. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I'm not sitting here trying to toot my own horn, but that's, what goes into it? I do like to be first. I pride myself on that. But even more than that, I pride myself on being right and trying not to have to go and flip flop because I, I I hate that. You know, I I hate seeing that. Like it seems as though I know on twenty four seven sports you get points for being the first pick, like a lot of points, and that's so you know I, love, I know people race to that and you're not really dinged so much for flip flopping back and forth. So like if you go and you pick this kid early on and it becomes apparent that at the last hour he's going to go to Alabama and you flip your pick. Yeah. You don't get all those points from being first, but you also don't get dinged on your, um, accuracy, mm-hmm. you know? So I know the game that they play. I try and avoid that. I try and be first. I try and be right. I won't always be, but that's, I do my best. Yeah. So, yeah, I try not to be a volume picker if that makes sense. Totally.
0: Yeah. So, uh... Those things all stand out to me. Um, I think the the last thing that that I haven't asked yet, I want to let's circle back to what you're doing this weekend in soCal yeah who are the players who are the coaches who are the
1: people that you want to cover this weekend? Um, you know uh, and, and I'm gonna put out a list probably on Friday, but you know it, to me it's gonna really be, Here's the key organs uh, and I'm, I'm going off memory, but I think at 13 or 14 commits or wherever that you got Harper committing tomorrow, potentially could be Oregon um, ducks could get another one or two guys. Maybe I'll just say by 4th of July, potentially, although I'm not saying that's definitive, excuse me. That means let's just say Oregon's roughly around 15 commits. We'll just say they're roughly around 15 commits in 2020. Mm-hmm. I don't think they can take 25 in this class. I think that's the stretch. So even if they could take 25, if they could, which I don't think they can, that's 10 more kids. That's it. I've got 10 more kids to basically cover between now and February. <laughs> you know, wow. of course I cover more than that because there's, you know, things that happen, but the potential. The there's po- ten slots. Yeah, yeah. Remember how my arms were this wide earlier? <laughs> my pool of guys to cover went from here down to here. Yeah. So and that's nice. Yeah. So, which is, which is good and bad. There's a lot, lot less news flowing. But you know, I mean, there's, there's less guys for me to have to worry about. So my point to that is where I'm going, there will be so many very, very good 21 and 22 class of 21 class of 22 kids at this event that I'm really excited to watch, evaluate meet, start building a relationship with and really start because I mean, honestly, it sounds frickin stupid. But here we are about to hit July, and in the next month or so, it's almost going to be where we have to start shifting gears to the 21 class because, mm-hmm. again, that scope of 20 guys to follow comes down to, you know, where my hands are six inches apart again. Yeah. And so, you know, if I don't do that, there's, of course, there will be football along the way. So I do have that where I don't need as much recruiting information, uh, and that will be nice. I'm looking forward to that part of things. But, um, again, starting to develop a relationship with those 20 – Because what happens is those, a lot of schools will end up like Oregon where their scope gets really small at certain points. So come, let's just say come December and January, a lot of people start hitting up the 21s more. And as more people start calling them, they tend to want to do less and less interviews because they're kids and they don't want to spend all their time on the phone. And I get it. So unless you have that relationship in place, which you build before their phone starts blowing up you know, then at least then you have a chance of getting them. You know, if you are calling a kid who's a five star top 30 player late in the process, you know, like a cave on Thibodeau or those, they, they get pretty hard to get on the phone. The only thing you can really stand on at that point is having had a, a, an early relationship with them. So,
0: so it sounds like a, a good opportunity for the ducks to keep tabs on the future yes. be a good opportunity for fans. Cause yes. I, I think it, almost like a wave crashing on the coast where, when your wave crashes into the rocks, it sets off little mini waves. Yes. Right. right. And and so you've got this class, which is going to ebb and flow. Right. There's going to be times where everybody's going nuts about the opening Yeah. and everybody's going nuts about uh, the All-Star Games and the Army All-American and all that stuff in December. And then there's signing day and then there's all the, the stuff going on in February there's these massive waves, yes, and then there's times of the year where it's not there, and it springs up little waves for the next year's class, and the next year's class, and the next year's
1: class. Exactly, exactly, and and you'll even you're going to see the coaching staff at Oregon start, and I say start to turn their attention to the twenty ones. They're you know, hey, look, uh, you know, for uh, example, Jim Mastro, probably not going to take another running back in this class. He's got Trey Benson committed, right? So his job right now, number one job. Continue to recruit Trey Benson. Don't lose him. Number one job. Second job after that, go and find a a kid in the class of 21. Well, he's already got one committed. So his job becomes staying on that kid. And if he wants to sign two in that year, you know, going to recruit anybody else, you know, so he's already going to start looking ahead to the next class and the next class um, to do that. He's just one example. I mean, Dante Williams, same thing, already got three or four guys committed. He's probably already got half an eye on the 21 class and recruiting those guys really hard. You have to do that. You have to be proactive and you have to stay ahead of the curve. It's not, it's not like Jim Masters got Trey Benson and says, all I got to do is keep Trey Benson and I can put my feet up on the desk. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, doesn't work that doesn't way. doesn't work that way. So, you know, I'm trying to do this mimic what those coaches are doing, you know uh, the other thing about the opening, which I forgot to mention earlier, and I'm done with that. Currently rivals has their five-star challenge going on, uh, which has, A lot of the same players that will go to the opening next week and so they've uh how do i want to say this they've uniquely positioned that camp the week before the opening even though the opening started before them what i noticed last year with a lot of the players and i'm going to guess that carries this year a lot of those guys that did the rivals five-star challenge which only rivals um Rivals is only allowed to cover that. They don't yeah. allow other it's their, thing. it's their thing and that's fine. So nobody else can cover that but Rivals. But those kids go and work out for the week there and then go to uh the opening in Dallas. They're freaking tired. Like <laughs> like the first couple days in Dallas, those kids were dragging. I mean, like noticeably. You could see like dude, these kids are just worn out. And I was talking to parents there of of the players and they're like he's just worn out i mean he's you know he went and did the camp back there last week well,
0: you're flying across the country and back of,
1: yeah yeah and it's not like those kids have taken two months off and are going to do these two camps back to back nope nope they've been doing the circuit and a lot have been been doing spring ball and stuff at their local high schools and conditioning and then they go and do these really intense camps they were worked by at the opening last year i imagine it'll be much the same this year so that was another factor into my decision as well
0: Okay, so a lot of coaches, a lot of players that you're going to get in the hopper this
1: weekend, yeah. uh, having fun in SoCal. I think that's all the bases covered on football. Yeah, I mean, I hope, like I said, we, we got several weeks before leading up to the Auburn game, uh, you know, that we can cover football several weeks. games. Yeah, we got several weeks, <laughs> lots to go over. But yeah, that's it's not even July 4th yet. No, gosh, no, it's not. No. So yeah, no, that was good. Um we got a little bit of basketball news. Ducks picked up a commit, right? That's always good. Right. I like that. Uh, I, I you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Dana Altman puts all this together. He's got a great class and I think he's doing a really good job, but again, it doesn't matter if he signs, you know, four or five stars or what he signs, if they don't, gel and come together it's not going to matter in a year in a year because all these guys and we we talked about this
0: off air but like you look at the nba draft is a great example how it relates i think very very relevant in the football world where everybody has a handler everybody has that father mother uncle buddy somebody in their ear telling them you're going to make x amount of dollars it's a guarantee you know you're gonna you're gonna go to Bama. You're gonna start four years at Bama. It's a guarantee, right? And uh, I I think the the problem that Dana has right now at Oregon, you have to not only get these guys in, but you have to get in their their skulls that that is not going to happen. Right. You cannot listen to Uncle Joe when they tell you you're going to be at a lottery pick in the NBA next year.
1: Yeah yeah there's nothing guaranteed i mean you know that's and i and uh i I, as much as i'm sure it's um you know for my for my own benefit that i would have loved to seen louis king come back to oregon Mm -hmm. uh, this next year i also think that it was it would have been the right move for him whoever i think he's an example somebody got in his ear and said hey i you know gotcha guarantee you you know whatever we're gonna we're gonna take you we're gonna you're you're a five-star
0: high well i mean somebody said hey you're a five-star high school player yeah that means you're a lottery pick right
1: and that's bogus it's bogus yeah i mean you you, i mean all the talent in the world and you got to develop now there are exceptions if you're you know six foot eleven and can jump through the rafters you know then yeah you're probably going to get bumped up the board a little bit because of your very very unique skill set and size but you know, Louis King didn't really fall into that category. Uh, neither did Kenny Wooten. Um, you know, they were they were good college players. They weren't great college players yet. I enjoyed watching them. I I love Kenny Wooten, and, and and I enjoyed seeing Louis King get better. But even in the back of my mind, and I we said to this, you know, man, that seems like a stretch to go. But I mean, everybody has their reasons, I guess. and I mean, I mean Bobo, another example. Yeah, You're dropping to forty four. That one,
0: I think that one tells a lot of of there were talks all across the league leading up to the draft of teams just don't know this kid. Right. Only played nine games at Oregon, played at four different high schools. He's not going to have a teacher or a coach or a mentor that can go to bat for him. Right. And I, I got to throw the, the elephant in the room out there. His father is not with us. Right. So... The one person that NBA teams probably would trust, he's not there to go to bat for his son,
1: and teams just didn't trust him. No, I don't think. No, no, I, there, there. I, I mean, it's a too big, way too big of a risk to draft him top ten, in my opinion. I yeah. mean, you're, you know, the NBA. Is so much different than the NFL. You can miss on your first round draft pick in the NFL and still survive. Not ideal. Not nobody wants to do that. But you have seven picks. Yeah, but you have seven picks. Your thir- your second rounder could produce. Your third rounder could. Be, I mean, you find a lot of value later on. You know, for the NBA, more more times than not, just you know, usually you got two picks. You got a first rounder, and then when you come to the second round, everybody's taking a flyer. Yes, that's. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're,
0: you're lucky if a late first or second rounder. Lucky
1: if that guy even makes your roster. Right. Right. So to take bowl bowl at 44 in the second round tells you, you know, tells you perfectly where the NBA valued him. And he had by all intents and purposes, he had pretty unique size and athleticism for, you know, that's not something you find every day Mm -hmm. could shoot the ball and do all those things. But again, if you're not getting the things done off the court, which we do don't know, I mean, we don't know if that was a factor or not. He moved around a bunch. Um, You know, I imagine if he had, yeah, I imagine a lot of NBA guys really value what Dana Altman says, but do they value it like what a Coach K says, or or maybe somebody of that regard? Or, no, you know, who you know, uh, no. Yeah, I mean, and Dana
0: Dana's a great guy. Of course, he's not outside of the outside of the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12 is viewing him that way. Yeah, yeah. Outside of the Pac-12, I don't think Dana Altman is in that stratosphere. Yeah, of and, Coach K,
1: Coach Cal, right. Roy you know. Williams, all those guys, right? Yeah, no, and so uh, yeah, I think I think all three of those guys—Louis King, Bobo, Kenny Wooten—all a perfect example of. I mean, really, really finding somebody you trust and 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 listening to that advice from that person. I think they all got bit with the dude. You can make it in the NBA, dude. You're going to get a deal, dude. You're going to, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take. I guarantee that it, you pick any organization and they've told seven or eight kids, we guarantee to take you. Right. Well, they only get two picks. So yeah, <laughs> and, and I get, they're all playing the same game. Yeah. So, um, again, it only benefits those NBA teams to have more of those options available for them to pick from, then for them to be honest and say, Hey, look, we probably won't take you till late in the second round. If we take you. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they go from having seven to eight options to three or four, and potentially those three or four could have been picked in front of them. Yeah. You know, so it only benefits the NBA team for those kids to listen and jump into the NBA.
0: Right. Like the Nuggets, certainly, I think they look at it as if you work on Bowl Bull Bowl's three, yeah. develop that, get that percentage up high, get his body right, he can be a stretch five, which is the rarest position in all basketball. Right. And you pair him with Jokic. Yes. And all of a
1: sudden you've got murderer's row in your front court. That's what I was going to say. Bol Bol going to the Nuggets makes absolute sense with Jokic. You, I mean, because Yoke can shoot the three too if you need him to. Right. But now you got Bol Bol who really doesn't have to be your interior presence because that's where I didn't see any value. He wasn't, he's not going to be the interior defender you think he's going to be for his size. Now, sure, he's a presence and you've got to shoot around him. But he's not Kenny Wooten. Yeah, well, and even, but even, uh, I mean, you can back him down if you need to. Sure, he can control the paint a lot easier in college, but the pros is a totally different animal. So again, for the Nuggets who aren't going to ask him to control the paint, he can kind of roam, you know, out there at the three point and next thing you know, you've got a seven footer that's playing alongside another seven footer and both are well at least both both semi-athletic and both can shoot the 3 that's a pretty dangerous combination mm-hmm. i mean so you can really if you're the nuggets play matchup basketball with whoever you're playing because you've got that athletic big that can shoot the 3 and run the floor or you've got the big man and you like he did against the blazers send him in the paint and just score buckets man. yeah brutal
0: I, I said during that series that guy is my new favorite
1: NBA player to watch, Nicole Jokic. I I hate loved him. Like I respected his game, <laughs> but I hated what he. I mean, dude, he got LeBron calls against the Blazers. Yeah. I mean, he got like, and that's fine. I don't care. But I'm I'm amazed the Blazers won that thing. But um, yeah, it was a hate love thing. It's like, man, I respect your game, but I hate some of these calls and stuff you're getting. Yeah. Either way. Um.
0: So th- I think that's something for Dana to watch out is you get these guys you got to make sure they go in i'm not saying they got to be a duck for four years but they go in knowing i'm going to get more out of this
1: than a one-year rental a realist re a reality to me a reality and and i I hope dana uses this in the future bobo comes back this year and let's just say he plays two-thirds of the year doesn't even play the whole year and probably plays like we would expect him to, he's probably a lottery pick at the end of that. No doubt. And, and no I, doubt. again, we can do the what-if scenarios, but that's a pretty plausible what-if scenario. As it is, he went to the 44, you know, because he declared early and, and didn't want to change his mind about coming back. Had he came back, had he came back for a second year and played similar to that window we saw over at least two-thirds of the year, uh-huh. chances are he's probably a lottery pick, top 15 at worst. Louis King, same thing. He his his uh, his chart. He was okay at the beginning and really, you know, got hot there at the end. If he comes back and continues on that hot streak from the beginning of the year to the end of the second year, I don't think he's a lottery pick, but he's probably a first rounder. Yeah,
0: yeah. I wonder too. You give him a couple more tournament games. If he hits that shot late against Virginia, where they're hanging on in a back and forth game, right? He chucks an early three on the clock and it bricks. If that shot goes in, they beat the Cavs, all of a sudden we have a different national champ. And I, I, I don't know how long Oregon would have been dancing. Yeah. You know, maybe he gets a couple more games in the spotlight, scouts see a little bit more from him, and that changes his trajectory.
1: Maybe. I think that's, I mean, it's possible. I mean, yeah, if he had ran through the tournament and just carved it out, it's certainly possible. I, I think for him, though, again, we're talking about one more year. Come back for one more year just play some good basketball, be smart, mm-hmm. get your grades right, don't be a butthead off the court. <laughs> and, I, and I know these are, I know even mine are big what-ifs, but I think they're pretty plausible what-ifs. Like, hey, just come back, play another year, you know, keep grinding, work hard. I, I think with the way Louis King grew from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, if even if he didn't do that same growth in the second year, but did half that growth once again, he's probably in the first round almost guaranteed. Unfortunately, he's, you know, now he's, probably going to flounder around the NBA a little bit for a few years. And either he develops or he is doing other work. Right. Who knows? You got to see something in summer league. got to shoot your shot. Got to shoot your
0: shot. Uh, Wrapping up, you wanted to talk softball and I, I'm with you. This is a good story. This is to me, everything that happened last year sucked. Yes. Players transferring out uh, players leaving for other schools now melissa lombardi gets the inverse of that yeah where she gets to bring players
1: to oregon this is the good news yeah i, I think if you're an oregon fan you're uh you're excited it was two pitchers yes two pitchers right yes right one of the california
0: schools uc- and then uh new mexico I think. yeah uc irvine yeah yes UC irvine.
1: yeah no so i i think uh i think that will continue to be the trend i think again and i've said this from the beginning i think the young ladies that are 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 geared for and expecting to put in work and be worked hard and follow the rules and listen to this coach who is much stricter than the previous coach mm-hmm. will be rewarded and I think they'll appreciate that. I think the other the other other the players that came in expecting a players coach and their buddy and Mike White and everybody loves him. You know. I, you know what? Miss Melissa Lombardi's not that and she's not going to adjust just for a single player or even two or three to keep them. Yeah. I mean, she is who she is and I mean it's like I mean literally it's like people expecting Mario Cristobal to be a, a player's coach. I mean, he's not. He's not geared that way. Now he's he's personable, but at the end of the day, he's he's in charge and everybody knows that. And, you know, win or lose, he's not going to change. You, you can't you cannot expect Melissa Lombardi to do that.
0: Yeah. I mentioned the Miami connection earlier. Uh, You you remind me about Mario now and just thinking about his influences. Jimmy Johnson was all energy. Yeah. Positive. A motivator. Yeah. But he was not a player's coach. No. Jimmy Johnson was, this is Jimmy Johnson's program. Right. And he's going to give you a lot of leeway.
1: He's going to give you a lot of leash, yeah. but he's still tugging the leash. Well, and per, I mean, just the easiest way to compare it, it's simple. I mean, Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban do not run pro, their programs the same way, but they present themselves the way they are and they recruit players and say, this is what you're going to expect. You're either going to like it or you should probably go somewhere else. Right. And so completely different dynamics, but as long as you recruit that way and are honest, honest and sincere about what you're going to do when they get there. I think you're good, you know, but if you come off as the players coach, you know, oh, I'm your buddy. We're buddies. I, you know, I come here. We're going to, we're just going to have fun. We're going to be buddy, you know, and they show up and you are you screaming you at, you them, scream at, them, at them. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're, you know, they're going to hit the portal about as quick as they can get to Starbucks. You know, so. <laughs> oh, transfer portal. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great move for coach Lombardi. I, I look at it also this way in softball. You might look at this and say, ah, Right, New Mexico, Ah, U.C. Irvine. When are the big names coming in? These are really good players. Yeah, every school has one or two good players at that level, and in softball, you're only one or two moves away from a good pitching uh, staff. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. You don't need a massive bullpen right. and, and really deep starting rotation. Right. You just got to find two or three good arms. And I
1: say if they got three good arms, which is two more than they had this year, if they got three good arms, I, I mean she's. I I think she's proven that she can be effective, you know, even with the one. Yeah, it wasn't the season everybody wanted. I know they didn't finish in in strong fashion, but, you know, really tough circumstances. I think with two or three, you're talking about a whole different club. a whole. I mean, no doubt. Even if you go from, you know, having a tough season to being competitive in a 500 season, you moved up. You went up. I mean, baby steps. This thing's not going to turn. If anybody expects this to go back to. The Oregon softball it was two years ago in one year that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. That not with not with as many people left the program. Yeah, I mean no, no that yeah. that team plays for Texas now. Yeah, that team plays for Texas now, and there's no doubt why they play for Texas now. Everybody, I mean, I mean if you think Mike White didn't have a hand in bringing them over, I mean, come on, seriously. I mean, <laughs> oh, let's just magically go to Texas now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I wonder like if you could
0: do that to college football where players could uh, essentially transfer without
1: penalty right I wonder what would happen you'd in my opinion and there's no way to foresee it in my opinion the rich would just get richer I mean it would literally you know any any top player of like say a Boise State or you know a smaller smaller or Fresno State or a smaller school you know Bama would would pillage them Georgia probably even Oregon I mean I, I just right you know you would you would build like the NBA does with super teams. You know, you would just build these super teams even more. So, I mean, Bama and Clemson are already kind of super teams because of the way they recruit, but Mm -hmm. at least everybody else has some sort of a chance sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if I want
0: to give Kirby smart any extra help. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, no, not at all. No, that's a big, what if there, but uh, we're we're not Georgia fans. No. Well, I just, I hate what the transfer portal has done. I don't mind the transfer portal. I like that. I just hate that basically everybody that hits the portal and applies for a waiver gets it anymore. I think that's done it. Except
0: I'm, for the kids who actually need the waiver. Yeah.
1: Except for the ones who need it. But yeah. I mean, cause you know, clearly Tate Martell needed one and you know, uh, Justin field, whatever the unfortunate situation at Georgia was, there's no question that that was pushed along. Just, yeah. I mean the NCAA wins if he's starting at Ohio state this year. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no doubt that that's a, a revenue based decision. As most are with the NCAA, yeah. Right. Whatever, got to make that money. That's a different podcast. I don't want to get to that. <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. We could we could spend a whole
0: hour talking about we could all the ways yeah. to
1: reform the NCAA, and we probably like get we probably get a lot of hate posts after that, you know, on ScoopDuck. Be like, oh. oh man, I don't agree with you, j Hop. You're crazy, and that's fine. You don't have to. It's my podcast. I get to say what I want. Right. You get to say what you want. A little bit. I, I have fun sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: so I, I'm I'm out of questions. I'm a, I'm out of answers. Okay. All right. I think we're in a good place then. What are you going to eat for lunch today?
1: Uh, I don't know. I think I have to eat mall food because my son wants to go to the mall and hang out. He's a teenager, so he wants to go walk around with his buddies. In right. The mall, right. So it's like, <laughs> maybe I can squeeze the ram out of it. I don't know. That might, because it's across the street. Yeah. So maybe I can squeeze that out of it. Well, good luck to you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for
0: listening, everybody. Again, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Justin Bald. I mean, we're we're all out now, pretty much wherever you want your podcast. Share the damn podcast, people.
1: Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Share it. Do it. I can do this now.